Welcome to Victory with Paul Doherty, pastor of Victory in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services. Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Pastor Paul has a great message for you today, and I believe this message is going to make an impact in your life. Everybody say, not like the movies. I'm glad we're not like the movies. I'm glad we got something better. We got real life marriages in here. And uh, you know, this month we're in our series, Not Like the Movies. Last week we talked about what does that mean, not like the movies? And how many in this room love movies? You love watching a good movie, good show? The truth is, even the reality TV shows are not reality. Come on, somebody. Like, they're, they're editing which clips they wanna show you. They've got the makeup, they've got scripts still, even though it's a reality show. The truth is real life can't be scripted and real life is not like the movies, but it's even better. And God's plan for our life, for our love story, for our marriage, our relationships is better than any romantic comedy you've ever seen. I'm telling you this morning, God wants to speak to you from his word. If you have a Bible, go to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, verse two, man, wasn't my wife just preaching some power powerful words out of worship. I'm so glad I married you, Ashley. I don't know how I got you. It's a miracle. Romans chapter 12, verse two. I'm getting some brownie points. I might cash those in later. Come on, somebody. Romans chapter 12, verse two. Hey, y'all can loosen up at church. Church is meant to be enjoyed, not endured. Come on. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse two, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. In other words, Paul was saying there's going to be this push from our society to try and get you to imitate what you see in the theater. Even back in those days, in the Roman Empire, there was actors and acting and pretending and and the kings and the emperors, they had relationships and in some way, culture and society was being shaped by what they saw from their leaders. And Paul said, don't copy the behavior of what you see in this world. Rather, go a little bit deeper. Go to the one who defines love itself. Go to God. Find what true marriage, what true love, what real life looks like, not from the movies. If Paul the Apostle could preach today in this culture, and he was saying the same scripture, Romans 12, verse 2, I think he might say something like this. Don't copy what you see on the reality TV shows. Don't allow what you see, how men are supposed to act, how women are supposed to act, how married couples are supposed to treat each other. Don't copy what you see in the movies. And you might say, well, what about Fireproof? Okay, well, that's like one out of a billion movies. Like 99.9% of the movies that Hollywood is pushing is not what God wants us to act like or think like or treat each other like. And this isn't a series to say you can't watch movies or you can't watch shows, but rather to step back from the movies you're watching, the shows that you're watching and go, what does God want for my marriage? What does God want for me as a man, as a woman, how I'm supposed to treat those that are around me? Today, the message is, where do broken hearts go? Where do broken hearts go? I remember in high school, there was this girl that I liked before Ashley and I were really dating, and, and I had a crush on this girl, and it was Valentine's week, and, and uh, she had a crush on me. We weren't really talking to each other. We were writing notes, and uh, that's what we did in our Christian school, at least me and this girl. We didn't actually talk to each other. We just wrote notes, and we had our friends deliver the notes to each other. You're like, whoa, that is weird. I was a little weird, but not gonna lie, (laughs) this girl had a crush on me. I had a crush on her, and she was walking past me in the cafeteria, 
and she saw me talking to another girl. And in our school, if you were talking to someone, you were dating them, even though it was just like just a normal conversation. I know, there was like this intense pressure, like you can't talk to that person. So she was kind of hurt. She was like, who is Paul talking to? And this girl that I had a crush on, who had a crush on me, she was a singer, and she would take voice lessons, and I walked into her voice lessons, no joke, that week, I walked into her voice lessons, she is singing to the track by Whitney Houston, where do broken hearts go, and I was like, I'm sorry, I will always, maybe not always, maybe not love, but I will like you for a little bit, and you know, she's looking at me, she's like, you're crazy. I'm not singing this song because of you. I'm like, sure, I know I broke your heart. <laughs> She's like, you're not that awesome. You didn't break my heart. You don't mean that much to me. I was like, okay, all right. Yeah, I did. But I think about that question, where do broken hearts go? Everybody say, where do broken hearts go? And thankfully, God delivered me from, and delivered her, delivered us. We weren't supposed to be together. God had someone better in store for me. I met my princess bride, Ashley Hope. And, uh, but you know, no matter what relationship you're in, no matter how long you've been married, there's going to be moments where your heart feels broken, where your heart feels disappointed. In fact, Ashley and I, we just got back from a marriage conference and uh, we went there because we wanna get better at being married. And we needed it. We loved what we, what we learned from this conference. And one of the things that the guy spoke there, and by the way, I think the enemy wants to keep couples from going to things that are gonna help grow their marriage, from going to conferences or counselors that can help sharpen them as a couple. There's this thing called pride and ego, like I'm not going to a conference because that means I need help. We know you need help, you got issues. We all got issues, come on. And we all need the Holy Spirit. We need help to grow in our marriages and relationships. And, and the devil would love to keep us bound in this act, this pretending, but we're not like the movies. The movies is about acting and pretending to be something that you're not. In real life, God wants us to really be who God's called us to be. We were in this conference and, and the, the speaker said this. He said, most divorces spring from fights that aren't about, yes, they might on the surface be about sex or money or about infidelity or about some of these things like this, but he said at the core, beneath all of those topics is this word right here, disappointment. Disappointment, everybody say disappointment. The truth is, no matter how saved you are, at some point in your life, you will be disappointed. You will be disappointed by people. You will be disappointed by your father, by your mother, by your spouse, by your children, by your coworkers, by your boss. And here's the point, here's what he was trying to say. If we are staking our happiness in our spouse, and we're staking what someone else can do for us to make us feel complete. You complete me, like the movies say. We're missing, we're missing the point of marriage because no one on this earth can fix what's wrong on the inside of you. They can maybe help a little bit, they can maybe lead you a little bit, give you some tools, but ultimately there is only one place to go for broken hearts that can truly mend the broken heart. And who is that, church? Jesus. And here's what's crazy, we know the answer to the question, where do broken hearts go? They go to Jesus. But the problem is knowledge doesn't always equal application. And a lot of Christians know where to go, know who to go to when they're feeling disappointed. But do they really go to him? Do we really go to God? First, maybe we go to the refrigerator to get some more food, to eat some ice cream. My heart's hurting, I need more mint chocolate chip Brahms ice cream. <laughs> 
My heart's hurting. I just need to watch some Netflix shows. I need to watch more movies. My heart is hurting. I need to look on my phone book and call somebody that's going to help me. What if we went to Jesus first before we went to the refrigerator, before we went to the ice cream bucket, before we looked for somebody to call? Jesus is saying, I'm the only one that can heal you. And I think if we're going to learn this, there's a story in the Bible that I love that points this illustration so clearly, and it's Genesis 29. Genesis 29 is about a couple that has some, has some mistakes. They have some problems. By the way, most of the couples in the marriage, uh, most of the marriages in the Bible have issues. So for you to say we have no issues, man, you, you're, you're missing out on being able to be among some of the great leaders in the Bible who had issues. And you can relate to them. They can relate to you. Abraham and Sarah had issues. Adam and Eve definitely had issues, right? David and Bathsheba had issues. Solomon and all of his wives had issues. The only good marriage in the Bible is between Jesus and, and the church, the bride of Christ, spotless, without blemish, without stain. And the only reason the church is without blemish or stain is because Jesus paid the price for our sins, but when you look at the married couples in the Bible, there's some things we can learn on how they handled disappointment, how they handled heartbreak and heartache. In Genesis 29, there was a guy named Jacob. Jacob was the son of Isaac. Jacob would go on to be the father of 12 sons. And we know the story of Joseph who had a dream and, and wore the coat of his father. And his father was Jacob. And there was a lot of problems in that family. But there's, there's, there's something that happens in Jacob's beginning uh, uh, wedding, his first wedding, his marriage. And by the way, the first miracle that Jesus does in the New Testament was at a wedding, which means that covenant is on the mind of God. Jesus cares about your marriage. And if there was any place that needed a miracle, it was at the wedding. <laughs> he brought what they were lacking, right? And when we look at this wedding here in Genesis 29, it says in verse 15, Jacob meets this girl and he goes to the father and talks to the father about wanting to marry the girl. And Laban, you know, tells him, well, we're relatives. I want to help you out. And, 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 and look in verse 16, it says Laban didn't just have one daughter. He had two daughters. But the girl that Jacob was in love with was the younger daughter. The older daughter was Leah. The younger one was Rachel. And in verse 17, it says there was no sparkle in Leah's eyes. The Bible's trying to be nice here. The Bible's basically saying Leah was not that pretty. <laughs> Let's keep it real. Leah was not as pretty as her sister. Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. And since Jacob was in love with Rachel, all of a sudden, heartbreak is, is, is brought up here. Jacob is in love with the younger daughter not the older daughter. And in that custom, in that world, in that society, the older daughter got married first. And so Jacob wants Rachel, not Leah. Well, the day comes, Laban says, if you'll work seven years, I'll give you my younger daughter to be married. I'll, I'll let you marry Rachel. And so Jacob works hard. He's so in love with Rachel. He works seven years. And, and the night comes, wedding night, man. Laban sneaks in the older daughter. Imagine being the older daughter, like you're being forced into this relationship with a guy who doesn't really like you. And so Laban, it's dark outside. Jacob can't really see. I don't know how this happened, but somehow Leah gets pushed into the tent with Jacob. And this is crazy. This is like Jerry Springer craziness right here. <laughs> the next morning, Jacob wakes up and he goes, ah, <laughs> you're not the one I wanted to marry. Heartbreak heartbreak. Jacob feels deceived by his new father-in-law. Jacob feels disappointed. Leah feels disappointed. Here she feels ugly in the eyes of Jacob, unlovable. 
So Jacob talks to the father-in-law and he says, I'll let you marry my other daughter if you work another seven years. And he agrees to work those next seven years and he finally gets to marry Rachel. And look at this, I want you to pay attention to this. This is so important. In verse 30, Jacob sleeps with Rachel too and he loved her much more than Leah. So we have this love triangle. And by the way, guys, don't get any ideas that you can marry more than one person and have multiple wives. This was back then, it was like that. But listen, he says that he stayed and he worked for Laban the additional seven years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he enabled her to have children, but Rachel could not conceive. So now more heartache is introduced. Leah feels unloved by her husband, but she's able to have children. Rachel feels loved by her husband, but she can't give him what she wants to give him, children. She's barren. And here Jacob is stuck with both wives and there's disappointment in each person from different things. So Leah starts having children and one son after another son, it says that she just hopes maybe after this son, maybe the Lord will see my misery and maybe my husband will love me. Then she becomes pregnant again. She bears another son. The Lord sees that I am unloved. He's given me another child. In verse 34, she becomes pregnant again and she gives birth to another son. And he was named Levi and she said, surely this time, look at this, surely this time my husband will feel affection for me since I've given him three sons. Everybody say heartbreak. heartbreak. So she's disappointed. She's trying to get from Jacob what Jacob really can't give her. She's trying to feel that soul satisfaction. She's trying to feel whole and complete from her husband. Could it be that we're trying to squeeze out of a person what only God can give us? I just point out one first thing today to you in this message. If we're going to have healthy marriages and healthy relationships, even as singles, if we're gonna be a healthy person that God wants us to be on the inside, we're gonna have to shift our expectations. We're gonna have to shift what we're expecting of people. I heard this comedian, someone showed me a little clip from a comedian and, and he comes out on stage and everybody's clapping for him and they're really excited to hear from him but right when he comes out there he goes, lower your expectations, lower your expectations. I thought that was really funny. Maybe I'll come out here on Sunday morning sometime, lower your expectations. You're like, we weren't clapping for you anyways. All right, <laughs> they're already low. Okay, but that's good. This is what I wanna tell you today. Lower your expectations of what people can do for you and increase your expectations of what God can do in you. Lower your expectations of what you're expecting your spouse, your spouse to do for you and increase your expectations of what you're expecting God to do in you. If you think about it, underneath the surface of that idea of, I'm expecting you to do more for me. I'm expecting you to treat me better. I'm expecting you to serve me more. I'm expecting you to forgive faster than you forgave. I'm expecting this and I'm expecting that and I'm expecting, we're putting all this pressure on people to make us feel happy. People to make us feel peaceful. People, we're, we're expecting more from man than we are from God. And God's saying he can't solve that problem in your heart. Jacob can't fix the emptiness in your soul, the comparison issue that you have with your sister. Your husband can't fix the problem you have with your parents. Your wife can't solve the problem you have as a man searching for that affirmation. No matter how much she gives encouragement to you, it'll never be enough. And it's not that we don't wanna expect something from the people around us, but we wanna take the pressure off them trying to do everything and put the pressure on God to do something on the inside of us, 
to bring healing in our hearts. If we're gonna have healing, if broken hearts are gonna experience wholeness and healing, we've gotta shift our expectations off what man can do for us and increase our expectations of what God can do in us. Here's a great example right here in Mark chapter five. This woman, in verse 25, she had gone to all the doctors. She had been bleeding for 12 years. Look at this. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors in verse 26, Mark chapter five. Over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay man, but she got no better. You can do everything you can trying to get someone to fix you, get someone to heal you, get someone to change you. And oftentimes we go into marriage expecting our spouse to fix us, expecting our spouse to complete us. You complete me, like the movies say. But only God can complete you. Only God can heal you. She had gone to all the doctors, expecting them to do their job, but they couldn't do their job. And it's not bad to go to doctors or go to counselors. That's not what I'm saying. But make sure that you aren't putting all the pressure on somebody else to fix something on the inside of you that only God can fix, that only God can heal. We've got to shift our expectations. And the people around you will be thankful too. Because I bet there's someone in somebody's life right now there's someone in your life that feels so pressured by you to meet your expectations and you have placed these impossible expectations on people. What if you stop trying to pressure someone else to meet all your needs emotionally and physically and to feel good about yourself and what if you put it on God? You started finding your identity in the word of God. Man, it could change your marriage. It could change your family. Your wife in the room, she's going, this is for you, this is for you. Your husband's going, this is for you, this is for you. <laughs> this woman, she said, I, I hear that Jesus is in town. In, in Mark chapter five, she heard that Jesus was coming through. There was something about Jesus that made him approachable, that the dirtiest, messed up, most sick people felt comfortable in his presence. I wonder if we've been too religious to be approachable by people who need healing in our lives. If we've been too good enough, too perfect, acted like we got it all together, something about Jesus drew the people that were so messed up closer towards him. And this woman hears about Jesus and she begins to go towards Jesus. And here's my second point right here, come just as you are. Come just as you are. I wanna tell you in this church, all are welcome here. Maybe you've been divorced 10 times you are welcome in this church. Maybe you're here today and your heart is broken. Maybe you're here today and you've got the perfect marriage. But all are welcome here. This is a place where you can come just as you are. Come with all the mess. Notice that this woman came to Jesus in her mess, in desperation. She didn't care what all the church folk thought. She was pressing through the church crowd. If I can just get to Jesus. What was it about Jesus that attracted sinners? Jesus attracted the most jacked up people ever. Zacchaeus, the woman caught in adultery, right? All the people that were sinners and messed up, they all felt comfortable around Jesus. He was approachable. Lord, break the religious spirit off of us so that we can invite every person to belong before they believe. Man, I wanna be the kind of person that sinners love to hang out with because that's the kind of person Jesus was. Some of us are so religious, we wear our mask not just on Sundays, but we wear it throughout the week. 
The only time we take it off is when we're in our homes and, it's, and no one's watching. And you're even afraid that maybe your house is bugged, that there's cameras around. Can I be real? Man, I want you to come to church and be as real as you can be because the only way you're going to get healed is if you get real. If you just say, Lord, I'm a mess. I got issues. We got issues. We need help. We need some help. So this woman presses through the crowd and she comes just as she is to Jesus and she touches the hem of his garment and when she does, something changes inside of her. The 12 years of misery, the 12 years of infirmity, the 12 years of internal turmoil. And I think there's a wife in this room that's had 12 years of misery. There's a husband in this room, you've had 12 years of disappointment. There's a married couple that's watching online right now, you've had 12 years of internal bleeding in your marriage. And you've gone everywhere except Jesus. You've gone to all the vices, you've gone to new relationships, you've had affairs, you've tried to find someone to fix the problem that your wife can't fix, to fix the problem that your husband can't fix, and Jesus is saying, you can't find it out there. I'm right here. I'm right here. Jesus is saying, come just as you are. When she touched Jesus, immediately the bleeding stopped. Something changed. Jesus looked around. Who touched me? Peter, James, John, they look at Jesus. They go, Jesus, all of us are touching you. We're all here. We're bumping up against you. And a lot of people bump up against Jesus at church. A lot of people show up to church, but few people touch Jesus with faith with desperation. They say, I don't care what anyone else thinks. I need a miracle. I need God to heal my marriage. I need God to heal me, to set me free. When I was 10 years old, my mom took me to an audition and it was for a commercial here in Tulsa. They were shooting a commercial and they needed a 10-year-old boy in the commercial and it was at Woodland Hills Mall and I showed up to the audition. I was so excited. I had been dreaming of going to Hollywood. I thought, I'm gonna, this is my big break. I'm gonna get discovered. I'm gonna go to Hollywood and make movies. I never got the commercial. But I showed up to the auditions and there was 50 other boys and we're there and I'm watching the other boys and they are good actors. And the people behind the table, the ones that are you know, deciding which person they're going to use. They're saying, I need you to pretend this way. I need you to act that way. I need you to give me big expressions here. I need you to pretend and audition. Okay, next person. You're not the right guy. Next person. Like, they were brutal. And if we're not careful, we can approach God the same way. Auditioning. Auditioning for his love. Auditioning for God's work that he wants to do inside of us. And we come to church and we audition in front of each other and perform. And God's saying, cancel the auditions. Cancel the auditions. Come just as you are. Come with all your mess. Even my sin, God, yeah, bring the sin because only Jesus can cure you of it. Come just as you are. Some of us in this room, we feel like we're too dirty to come to Jesus. We're too broken. We're too messed up. We'd rather just hide it and pretend like all is well. How you doing, brother? Blessed, too blessed to be stressed. Then you go out in the parking lot and you scream at your wife and you cuss out your kids and you go home and then you come back here and keep putting on this audition for us. Stop auditioning. You are welcome in this church just as you are. It is okay to not be okay. We want people that aren't okay in this church because when you come as you are, the great news is God doesn't leave you that way. 
He changes you into who he's called you to be. He makes you more like Jesus. This last week, I was with one of my mentors, and Mark Green, he was talking about his father's business, Hobby Lobby, and he was talking about how they take discarded materials from junkyards, stuff that people throw away, trash in people's eyes, and they find a way to redeem it and make money off of that trash for Hobby Lobby. In fact, they showed me this frame, and it was the top-selling frame in their business last year. They sold over 34 million frames, this frame, this specific frame at Hobby Lobby. And he said, look at this frame. What do you think about it? It's an awesome frame. I like the frame. People love this frame. Guess where we get the wood from? The junkyard. This is discarded people's fences. Fences, old fence posts. They just throw into the junkyard. We drive down to Texas and we get loads and loads of this old fence beat up wood. And we restore it. And we make frames that people buy. And they love these frames. You know, I want to tell you today. You might feel broken, busted, messed up from the abuse, messed up from the mistakes, messed up from the affairs, messed up from the junk that's happened in your life. But in God's eyes, you're not trash, you're treasure. God wants to restore what the devil's tried to beat down and mess up. And he's saying, I want you to come to me. I'm gonna end with this last passage, Matthew chapter eight, verse one. Matthew chapter eight, verse one, and Jesus had just got done preaching one of his best sermons. Man, it was a home run sermon. It was called the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he had preached a whopper, man. He talked about forgiveness. He talked about being the light of the world. He talked about obedience to to God. He talked about generosity. He talked about all kinds of stuff. But right after the sermon, so many people miss this part in the Bible, right after the church service. People are excited. They're leaving the church service. They're heading to the parking lot to get on their donkeys. (laughs) They're getting ready to leave. Woo, church was good. Pastor Jesus had a good sermon today. Jesus is walking out, leaving the church service, leaving the mountain, and somebody showed up a little late to the church service. Oh, man. You're never too late. If there's breath in your lungs, there's hope for your future. It's never too late to come to Jesus. You might be in your last week of life. Maybe the doctor said you only got one week left. It's never too late to call on Jesus. Maybe you feel like your marriage is hanging by a thread. You got the divorce papers at home. It's never too late to call on Jesus. So as Jesus is walking down the mountain, and by the way, church is such a collision of of situations. Some people are leaving church excited can't wait to get back home. Some people are coming to church. They just had their first child. They're celebrating their new, brand new baby boy, brand new baby girl. But there's another couple coming to church that just lost their child, that just had a miscarriage. On the same row, people are colliding with their situation. Never think that the sermon is always supposed to be for you. When you come to church, you know, this wasn't for me. It must not be from God. Man, it was for the couple right behind you. It was for the man right next to you, and you were so selfish to think it was about you. Don't miss the point of coming to church. It's not always about you. There's someone next to you that needs the healing power of Jesus, that needs to know they're not too dirty to come to Christ. This leper starts walking towards Jesus. 
Now, in those days, lepers had to be isolated in their own leper colonies. Even today in parts of India and Africa, they, they isolate, they put the lepers in their own colonies because you're contagious. And leprosy, it's eating away your skin so your fingers are falling off, your ears falling off, your nose is deteriorating, and, and your skin is peeling off. Leprosy is, is an ugly sickness. But did you know people can have leprosy for 15 years before it surfaces? For 15 years, it can sit beneath the surface of your skin and you not even realize you have it. Some of y'all are starting to look at your hands right now. (laughs) Can you imagine the day that this guy woke up and it began to surface? He started to see his skin peeling off. His, His ear was starting to crust up. His nose was starting to deteriorate. And as soon as his wife looks at him, You can't touch me. Don't touch me. It's going to spread. His little daughter runs in. No, Dad. You can't touch us. See, anytime someone got leprosy, they couldn't touch anybody else. So immediately he's looking at his wife. He's looking at his daughter and his son, and he's backing up, and he's crying, realizing, I just had my last night with my family. He has to live the rest of his life in a leper colony, far away from civilization, far away from clean people. He's got the big L on his chest, leper. Never going to have a better life again. Some of us came in this room feeling like we've got this big D on our chest. This big A on our chest. Adulterer, divorced, broken, addict messed up the leper I can just imagine him sitting in this leper colony with all of his other leper friends (sighs) never going to have a better life again but somebody somehow they heard the word Jesus is coming Jesus is coming Jesus just got done with the church service he's preaching on the mount if you can get to him maybe just maybe he's approachable maybe He was the cleanest man in the nation, and he attracted the dirtiest people. So the leper starts walking towards Jesus. The church folk spread out. Oh, I can't touch him. Unclean, dirty. Religious people have big issues with messed up people. And here's here's the problem. Religious people just don't realize how messed up they really are. (laughs) So the unclean man comes to Jesus, and he keeps a distance in verse 2. Maybe not even looking at Jesus because he feels so ashamed and so ugly. If you can heal me, if you can make me clean, I know you can, but if you're willing, Jesus, if you're willing, please heal me. And I love Jesus' response. He gets off the stage. He gets away from the church people. Jesus doesn't just heal the man. He comes up to him and he touches him. He touches the man that was untouchable. For the first time in many years, the man is finally touched again. Before Jesus says a word about healing, he touches the leper. And this is amazing because nobody touched lepers back then. But Jesus did. He's not intimidated by your mess. Where do broken hearts go? They go to the only one that can heal them. They stop putting all the pressure on their spouse and on other people to fix them. And they come to the healer. Man, I just imagine that moment before Jesus even said, be healed, that the leper starts crying when he got touched. (sighs) He touched me. Jesus wants to touch a wife today. 
He wants to touch a husband today. He wants to touch someone who's walked through divorce, who's walking through divorce, who's experiencing strife in their home, who feels miserable on the inside, who's disappointed with life. How do we receive his healing? We've got to come just as we are. Cancel the auditions. He's just looking for honest couples, honest husbands and wives that say, I'm taking off the mask. See, Jesus already sees you. He sees what you're walking through. Lepers, they had to cover up their scars. They had to wrap themselves like mummies, more and more bandages. Jesus saw straight through the bandages. He sees straight through the makeup and the mascara. He sees your heart. He sees your deceased soul. He sees what you're walking through, the disappointment. And he says, I love you. I love you. Even the ugly parts of you that you don't want to show to the church, I love you. And he says, I hear you. I hear the cries of your heart. I hear the prayers that you don't even write on the envelope, the unspoken prayer request. I want to touch the parts of your life that you think are untouchable, and I want to heal you. But first, you've got to admit that you need help. First, you got to get honest. You got to actually go down to that altar call. You got to actually raise your hand and say, yeah, I need some help. Last week in the news, this man was on his tractor and his tractor somehow fell into a water hole and he was trapped in the water hole. He was drowning in the water hole. As he was getting ready to go down in the water hole, he starts screaming, help, help, help. And his mouth was under the muddy water. For five and a half hours, he survived with his nose barely above the water. There happened to be a neighbor nearby that was walking and could hear this loud breathing of the nostrils. Sorry, that sounded really gross. I got to clean out my nose. Keep it real in here. Hey, God hears you. He hears you. It may be so difficult to even just raise your hand, but he can hear the breathing in your heart. He's a neighbor to the brokenhearted. He's close. He's close to those that need healing in their marriage, that need healing. He's close to that single in the room that just feels like giving up. It just feels like throwing away this whole goal of trying to wait till you get married. He's close to the guys and the girls and the men and the women and the couples who've stopped sleeping in the same room, but you've been married 40 years. But somehow there's a wedge in your house. There's this invisible wall. And Jesus is saying, let me break down the walls. Let me come and heal you. Let me come and heal you and restore you. Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would touch every person in this room. God, you know those that are here today that need a miracle in their marriage. Not only do I pray that they would make it and survive, I pray that they would thrive. Lord, I pray for 
fresh momentum. The winds are changing in the church today. The winds are changing in your marriage today. Lord, I thank you, God, for fresh life coming into their house. I thank you for the power of Jesus Christ ruling and reigning. Strife, you got to go. Division, you got to go. Addictions, you are broken in Jesus' name. Satan, you have no authority over the couples in this house. You have no authority over the married couples in this house. You have no authority over the husbands in this house, over the men in this house, over the wives in this house, over the women in this house. Jesus said in Luke 11, behold, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And I've given you authority to trample on serpents. Who's the serpent? Is the enemy. It's the devil. He is a liar. He is a slithering serpent. And you got authority to trample him in your house. He said, I've given you authority to cast out demons. Did you know only a third of the church today in our nation believes there is a hell and believes there's a devil? I saw that in Barna Research. We're going to change that because the truth is there is a hell. There is a devil. But he has no power over us when we have Jesus Christ living inside of us. And when we get real and say, Holy Spirit, help me to defeat the enemy of darkness. Our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against our wives or husbands. It's against principalities and powers of this dark world. I want to do something right now. If you need help in this place, I want you to just stand up. If you need the Holy Spirit to help you, men, women, couples all over this room, you just say, you know what? I need help. I need, I need God's help right now in my life. Everyone else, just bow your heads, close your eyes. But if you're here today and you say, I need help, I need the Holy Spirit's help, just stand to your feet right where you're at right in your chair. I'm not going to ask you right now to come to this altar, but all over this room, if you're real enough to say, I've been struggling behind the scenes. I've been struggling. I need, I need God's help. I've been walking through some disappointment. I've been walking through some, some failure. I've been walking through some frustrations. Holy Spirit, I just pray for every man, every woman that's standing, every couple. Lord, I thank you for restoration today in this place. All over this room, those that are standing, mean this with all your heart. Pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I repent of my sins, and I receive your forgiveness. Heal me, Lord, from the inside out. I look to you and you alone as my Savior, as my healer, as my shepherd, I expect you, God, to work in me. I'm all yours. Help me, Lord, to love those around me the way that you love me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to give just a big hand clap to every person that just prayed that prayer and stood to their feet. Come on, give a huge... The, the, the Holy Spirit is working today, delivering you out of the pit of despair. This is why, this is why we have church. This is why we're a community, because we're each other's neighbors. We're each other's neighbors. You never know who on your row has fallen into that water hole that's just breathing. You don't come to church just for you. You come to hear your neighbor and go, Hey, I'm not going to let you walk alone in that struggle. We're with you. We're going to help you. 
We're gonna pray for you. We're gonna stand for your marriage with you. We're gonna stand for restoration and healing. Give a hand one more time. You could be seated in this place. Two more things that I wanna do, very special things. Before we go into our time of tithes and offerings, I wanna do something for married couples today. I, I wanna invite all the married couples that would be willing today to renew your vows to each other to stand up in this room, husbands and wives. Honey, will you come up here with me, Ashley? And maybe you're standing here today, your spouse is in the hospital, or maybe they're, they're sick at home or hurting, and you just wanna stand and speak it to your spouse, speaking it out. Maybe you're here by yourself without your spouse, and you just wanna say it or call them or text them on the phone, these vows. But why don't you hold the hand of your spouse, and we're gonna, say, we're gonna put the vows up on the screen. We'll start with husbands. First, so husbands, turn to your wife and repeat this after me. I, and say your name. Take you, say her name. Take you, Ashley. To be my wedded wife. To have and to hold from this day forward. For better, for worse. For richer, for poor. In sickness and in health to love and to cherish till death do us part according to God's holy word and thereto I pledge myself to you now wives you say your vows Ashley okay <clears throat> I Ashley say your name take you Paul your husband's name to be my wedded husband to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, and in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part, according to God's holy word, and thereto I pledge myself to you. Okay, one more thing. Take the ring off of each other's finger. We're gonna, we're gonna do the rings too this time. <laughs> you weren't ready for that one. May I have the bride's ring? Husbands, hold your wife's ring and as you place it on her finger, say this to her. With this ring, I thee wed. I give it as a covenant reminder that I belong to you and you belong to me. Together we belong to God our Father. In the name of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now wives, you take your husband's ring, if it'll fit on his finger. <laughs> As you place it on his finger, say this, with this ring, I thee wed, I give it as a covenant reminder that I belong to you. You belong to me. Together we belong to God our Father. In the name of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now you may kiss your bride. Come on, cheer on all these married couples. 
You know, as Paul was sharing the story, I asked him if I could share, as Paul was sharing the story about that man who was underwater and crying for help, and you know, he was saying he, he, he feels like there's marriages in this room that are, are barely breathing, and one of the parts that I kind of took from that story is, is the neighbor who heard the cry for help and responded. And I felt like God was saying, I just had this prayer in my heart that was like, Lord, if there's people for crying, crying for help around me, let me hear them. And they may not be saying, I need help. It's very rare for someone to, and it's very admirable for someone to say, I need help personally, I'm not doing okay, or a marriage to say, we need help. And you know, it's not uh, a, a complaining thing. Hey, I need help. We need help. It's a, it's a caring thing. <laughs> I care enough about my marriage to say that I need help. I care enough about my well-being and my relationship with God to say that I need help. And I think so many times we're so preoccupied with our, ourself that we think, you know what, we're doing okay. We're just skipping through life. I mean, we have some things going on, but we're doing okay. But in those moments, as believers, when you're doing okay, let's just take a Q-tip, <laughs> unclog our ears, and really and open our eyes to see, Lord, I'm in a strong season right now. I feel... I feel strong, I feel it doesn't mean life's perfect, but I'm in an okay place. Lord, let me hear the cries of the people and let me be sensitive to the people who are not okay that I can help, that I can pray for. Lord, give me eyes to see. And you know, I believe that there are people in this room that see things in the cubicle next to us see things in our neighbors, see things to our closest friends. And you know, I pray, instead of just having a care and a thought, I wonder if they're doing okay. Move that care to prayers. Start praying for wisdom of if you're the one to address something, if you're the one to talk with them, if you're the one to have a heart to heart, don't underestimate your prayers. Some people, maybe you say, you know what? I've tried, I've tried to talk to them. I've tried to intervene. Okay, we'll spend less time trying and get bitter about trying and start praying. In Psalms, and I'll end with the scripture that came to my mind. In Proverbs 27, five, it says, better is an open rebuke than a hidden love. And you know, there are times in our life where we do as Christians and as believers in the right motive, that's why we pray. We pray. And we get our hearts right where we need to share. We say, you know what? I noticed some things, they're just not right. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe, maybe I've missed it, but I, I just want you to know that, that I'm here for you. It's just seeing some things are, are, are kind of off. You've seemed a little isolated. I haven't seen you at church. Instead of thinking about it, man, let's vocalize a better, an open rebuke, an open, another way to say it, an open criticism, constructive criticism is better than your hidden love thoughts. And so let's, let have, let's have eyes to see and ears to hear those who need our help because you can help bring an answer to them. 
Amen. Amen. Y'all receive it? How many of y'all received the message today? Well, let's not keep it to ourselves. We want to share it with others. We're going to take time right now for our tithes and offerings. How many of y'all love to give to God and help advance the kingdom of God? As a church, we want to give towards helping couples find restoration. I want us to be a lighthouse for married couples and families to find healing, to find restoration, reconciliation, forgiveness, fresh starts. So today, as we're sowing our seeds, of course, Victory Every Week, we're always sowing into various things as a ministry that helps keep the church going, the outreach programs, missions, all those things. But also, think about those couples today, in every service, last night, this week, this next week at the, uh, the Valentine's banquet, many couples that are finding restoration, seeking for it. And we can sow a seed as a ministry into helping couples do that. And we can advance the kingdom of God. So today, as you're filling out your offering envelopes, you can fill out prayer requests, praise reports. We'd love to hear from you, love to pray for you, love to celebrate your praise reports. Those that are watching online, there's a link to do that right there online at victory.com. You can just click uh, donate. And there's tithes and offerings links right there. And then if you want to text to give, you can do it right from your cell phone. There's a number on the screen, and you can just text victory and whatever number it is. Ashley and I have had the opportunity to sit with a lot of married couples uh, just in our short time of being pastors and gotten to see what this church is doing to help restore marriages and families. And it's amazing. Behind the scenes, stuff we can't talk about from stage, but behind the scenes, you would be amazed at the stories of couples that have been married many years and couples that have been married just short months that have come here and found refuge and restoration. And so you're making an impact, making a difference, and we appreciate that. Well, Lord, I just pray over every seed that's being sown today. I thank you, God, that it's gonna go and grow and advance your kingdom in the earth. Lord, I thank you for your healing in this place, restoration, salvation today. Lord, I thank you, God, that today you're doing a fresh work in husbands and wives and singles, God, and those that are here today believing for a healthy marriage, believing for restoration. Lord, all the needs represented in this room, financial needs, someone in this room, God, needs a new car. Someone in this room, God, needs a job that's unemployed. I just pray, Lord, I thank you that you're our source. And God, I thank you that you're faithful to provide the needs that we have. Lord, you said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things shall be added unto you. Lord, I thank you today, God, for your provision. In Jesus' name, amen. If you agree with that, say amen. Thank you for listening to Victory with Paul Doherty. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services, Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Remember, your best days are right in front of you.